Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Signs 2017 launches today, and our show is devoted to Vital Signs. This snapshot of Winnipeg is the culmination of a year-long process that included online and phone surveys, community conversations, and secondary research to determine the vitality of our city. So today we'll be speaking with CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, Rick Frost, and we're going to be talking about what inspired Vital Signs to begin with, where it stands right now, and what it means for the Foundation in the future. We're also going to be speaking to Andrew Chunalal, the CEO of Community Foundations of Canada, to learn more about the Vital Signs Initiative and about CFC's national vital signs report on belonging that was released earlier this week then our retrospective of the community conversations that happened earlier this year that were a part of vital signs 2017 and as always noah ehrenberg will join us in studio to tell us about the newest stories published on community news commons winnipeg citizen journalism project we've got all this some great tunes and much much more on today's episode of river city 360 Good day, hello, and thank you for tuning into RC360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. Robert, how have you survived this week? It's been a very busy week, but uh, but it's been a great one, and uh, it's good. Definitely looking forward to uh, to the Vital Signs launch happening a little bit later on today. Yeah, so today's show it's it's a full one. We've got a lot to sort of get to and a lot to unpack. Vital Signs is basically a comprehensive report that's essentially a glimpse into what Winnipeggers think about Winnipeg right now. Uh, it's really interesting, and we're we're kind of pretty pumped to learn all about the report and what exactly has gone into it and what Winnipeggers have been saying about our great city. Uh, so today is just going to kind of be spent laying out exactly what Vital Science is, how it came to be, and what all the data means for you, for Winnipeggers. Rick Frost is on his way into the studio to tell us all about that right after our first musical break. But before we get to that, we're going to play For All We Know by Vicky Carr right here on River City 360. two of us Strangers in many ways We've got a lifetime to share So much to say And as we go from day to day, I'll feel you close to me, but time alone will tell. Let's take a lifetime. For only time will tell us so And love may grow For all we know 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today, and we're now joined right in studio by Rick Frost. He's the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation. Rick, thank you for joining us again. Glad to be here. So we're going to talk about vital signs. This whole episode is about vital signs. We're talking about what's happened so far, where we're at now, and where we're moving forward. Um, we're going to have you on to kind of go all three steps. Where, How did we get to this point? Where are we right now? And what's going to be happening moving forward? So my first question is, what, what exactly does vital signs mean for the Winnipeg Foundation? Well, first of all, it's a snapshot of what Winnipeggers are thinking. It's backed up by other data, but fundamentally we were looking at what Winnipeggers are thinking today, and it's uh, to inform our strategic plan. It's a part of a process a more, uh, a more open, more transparent process of building the next strategic plan, which will cover the years 2019 through 21. So we're building that plan and we're starting to think about it. This is fundamental input. So you're a numbers guy. What what were some of the numbers that you saw or what was your reaction to some of the numbers you saw from, because there's thousands of people that were giving their input on, yeah. on vital signs. Yeah. What were what were some of the things that stuck out, st- stood out to you as, as outliers or surprises or, oh, you didn't really think that that was going to be uh, the case, but it ended up being so? I don't know that this was a complete surprise, Nolan, but... Um but clearly, the, th- the most striking issue is reconciliation. Um, I, I don't know that we're going to be able to avoid that as a city. We have the largest mm-hmm. population of Indigenous people um, in our city, um, of any in the country. Um, and as a result of that, we're ground zero to this reconciliation question, these 94 calls to action and that sort of thing. Uh, but it's, it's, it's very clear that this is a very significant issue for our city. Um, and I suppose the challenging aspect of it is the fact that we saw many people still don't know that much about it. Right. Um, we found out that there's different attitudes um, in terms of are we doing enough? Many people think we're already doing enough in this area when uh, my view and would be that we aren't anywhere near doing enough. Um, we've got a long way to go. And I think that comes out fairly clearly in this report. Mm-hmm. So when, when the average citizen reads the report and goes to the website or flips through the actual publication, what do you hope they take away? Or how, how can they use the report to inform their day-to-day uh, activities and lives? Well, this report is jammed with information. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different stats in it. It's a snapshot. I mean, there's other reports out there that look at trends over the long run and that sort of thing. And that's not what this report's supposed to be. It's just a snapshot in time. Um, there's so many little pieces of information in there that, you know, sort of insightful pieces of information that will maybe in, inform the way you're thinking about things or maybe change the way you're thinking about things. Um, um, so from that perspective, I, th- I think it's going to help us all sort of think about the broader issues in the city. Right. I'm sure some things will pertain to some people, some things won't, but yeah. the things that do pertain to you are obviously going to be very informative right. and, and you can take a deeper dive, I would imagine. That's right. And, and and I think that that's what people do and they'll go look at other sources of information because obviously vital signs is one source, but there's lots of other sources. 
So I think that it'll be it'll be provocative in that sense. And for the Winnipeg Foundation, it's going to shape you know the grants that we're making in the future. It's going to it's going to fundamentally be aimed at shaping our strategic plan. Um, one of the challenges that we had last year, we were in 900 different organizations with grants. And one of our challenges is we can't be all things to all people. We're going to have to choose some priorities and put more emphasis on things, certain things. And, and, and the board's going to have to talk about that. But in the end of the day, um, that, that's going to be for us the, the, the key thing. And it'll influence our thinking and hopefully it'll influence perhaps the thinking of others. When you are flipping through the uh, the publication and stuff, how does how do you... Is it overwhelming or are you able to kind of hone in on certain things or because it, it, it like you said, it's a ton of information, but how how can someone approach this just with a, as a layman and kind of walking into it for the first time? Well, it is a ton of information. And I think you, you, what you do is you take us, you, you look at a page or two and then you put it down, you set it aside right. and Reflect, if everybody's got maybe. a hard copy. You know, I think that that's what they'll do if they're going to go into the website and look at it online. They can do it that way, too. But in the end of the day, I don't think you can sit down and, and read this report in, in, in sort of a couple of hours. I think you have to put it, put it aside and come back at it and come back at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is data at one point in time. So, I mean, it's not trying to, trying to show trend data particularly. Um, and so, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be a time when it runs out of its currency, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that sort of thing. So I think it's uh, hopefully going to prompt people to, to reflect on where we are as a city today. There's interesting information in there, for example, about where you live in the city. You know, it could right. be if you live in one part of the city, you have a different perspective on on things than if you live in a different part of the city. And that's kind of surprising to me in a way. You know, I think we always think of Winnipeg as one place, but in reality, it's a lot of different neighborhoods with different perspectives. Right. So, you know, we're going to see that. And I know that uh, social media has been sort of talking about sense of belonging and well-being and whatever that sort of, that's sort of in the report. And we'll see a lot of that this afternoon afternoon coming out but um it's an it's a good opportunity to just be thinking i guess about the issues that our city faces for sure so this afternoon is the launch the official website's going live the publication is available f- for the public um what's next then after after the launch what's kind of the next step for the foundation and for for the organization well our board and our on our staff of course are just like everybody else just getting their hands on this report and taking a look at it so we have a board retreat that's coming up in a month when there'll be good conversation about what's coming out of it. And I imagine that by January, we'll be taking our first steps towards what are we going to, how are we going to react to this report? Um, and, you know, the real date is probably October, a year from now, um, when our strategic plan comes out mm-hmm. for the following three years. And it'll obviously incorporate our, our sort of our overall reaction. So for the Winnipeg Foundation, this is all really aimed at. Um, this whole question of where should the, we should be putting our priority as we move forward. How are you sort of taking this data with a grain of salt or are, are, is this going to be kind of like a, this is this is what we're going to focus on, this is what we're doing, or is it going to be one of the things that informs the strategic plan? It's one of the things that right. informs. It'll be an important thing. We've never done this before. Right. Um, so um, it'll be important. Obviously, we spent a lot of time looking at this, but it's a snapshot and it's one piece, of, it's one sort of perspective. We've got a lot of things in our background, our history, our traditions that influence how we do things at the Winnipeg Foundation. Obviously, that's important. We're also doing another study, which is on the health of the charitable sector, because you could be a large or small organization, or you could be working in different parts of the community, like arts or heritage or you know, education or social services and have different experiences. So we are um, looking at that as well um, and trying to decide again, how how should the Winnipeg Foundation shape its own priorities 
as we go forward, recognizing that our donors, for example, are a huge influence on how we think about things and the things that we're able to do. So, um, so there's a lot of different factors, but this is an important one. This is even probably one that can help inform the donors as well as to what, what, where they should be focusing their efforts. In, in yes, a way. I'm sure that donors will read it and, and, um, and, and maybe have some of their own grants influenced by that in terms of how they're and how they're shaping uh, their own their own gifts to the foundation or gifts to the community. For sure. Well, good luck at the launch day. Hope everything goes smoothly. And uh, thank you for talking to us again about Vital Signs. And uh, yeah, wish you all the luck in the future. Ah, great to be here. Thanks, Nolan. And thanks again to Rick Frost, the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation. Coming up after the break, we'll have my conversation with Andrew Chunalal, the CEO of Community Foundations of Canada. We'll talk about the Vital Signs Initiative and about the National Vital Signs Report on Belonging. But before we get to that, here are the foundations with Baby Now That I've Found You right here on River City 360. Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today. Now, on the show, we've devoted a lot of coverage to vital signs in the past, but did you know that it's actually part of a national and even international initiative? 
Community Foundations of Canada helps community foundations with their own vital signs reports and even produces a national vital signs report as well. Earlier today, I had the chance to speak to Andrew Chinalal, the CEO of Community Foundations of Canada, to learn more. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today about the Vital Signs Initiative. Tell us a little bit about what Vital Signs is. Vital Signs has um, a couple of different uh, perspectives to it. Uh, It started off as a a report that communities would put research into and use the uh, the trends, use the, uh, the quantitative data, to then inform priorities for a particular community. But now um, in, in 2017, Vital Signs has become much more than that. It also encompasses uh, a platform where communities can come together and tackle big, meaty questions. It's a, a platform where uh, partnerships can come together between residents, uh, business, government, community organizations, and universities. Uh, and of course, it's something that community foundations use as a tool or a catalyst to advance different priorities within their communities or within their own organization's agenda. So it it has a a very diverse use and all across the country and there's I think almost uh, not quite 40 communities in Canada that are using vital signs and one of the ways that I described Um, and a lot of it just has to go to that particular culture of the community, what sort of resources they have, what sort of access to data is available, and they uh, they, they choose the, the tool or the method of vital signs that's most appropriate for them. It's also being done globally. Uh, in particular, there are, are reports in the UK that are being rolled out under, under this brand, and uh, it's something that the world is sort of looking at as a way to uh, create a conversation, introduce data about how communities are doing, and in effect, advancing um, local change. And even recently at the World Economic Forum, Minister Jolie, our Minister of, of Canadian Heritage, um, referenced the Vital Science Report and how important it was to bringing light to an issue uh, in, in a local city here in Canada. What is CFC's role in coordinating the Vital Signs Project? We have been uh, hosting um, vital signs uh, for community foundations across the country for a number of years now. And what we do is uh, we produce our own report. In 2017, we produced a report around belonging. And we've been producing a report on belonging for the last three years, each of the last three years. And we also help and assist with the local community foundations across the country that are doing vital signs by providing them access to data, to data collection strategies, um, and to different types of tools so that they can act, activate that vital signs conversation in their community. A lot of the vital signs reports are very different and they're very tailor-made to different communities. Can you give me some examples of how some of those reports from other communities differ from one another? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. In, in our case, what we've done is we've picked a theme. We picked a cross-cutting theme that is relevant to the entire country and we chose belonging. Um, in other cases, you will see other other themes rise ahead. The other end of that spectrum is a, a community foundation that will give equal billing to a variety of different themes that might go from uh, employment to civic engagement to housing affordability uh, to public safety. And then there are many, many more. And so what tends to happen is community foundations will use data to evaluate how that particular community 
is doing amongst other communities, either in the province, regionally, or nationally. And so it gives you a benchmark and a trend on evaluate how well your community is ranking in these specific areas or in a particular theme. Uh, a lot of cases, the Community Foundation will also bring in public opinion. So um, you'll have the data and what the data tells you how you're doing in a particular area. It could be housing affordability. Uh, but then you go out into the public and you survey people and you go, how do you think we're doing in housing affordability in our particular community? And what you can do is start to compare perception and reality. Um, and that also creates a catalyst for an interesting conversation around uh, around expectations and around why people feel the way that they do. Where did the initial idea for Vital Signs come from? And how did CFC get on board in sort of coordinating that on a national scale and providing other community foundations with the resources to do the same thing and adapt it for their own communities? We've been on an interesting journey. The, the Vital Signs report and brand was created by the Toronto Foundation. And it's something that they rolled out for the very first time in 2001. And they've been doing it ever since. Uh, the Toronto Foundation uses the report and its findings as a way to bring uh, the business world and local government together and to help set an agenda for the upcoming year. And so, yeah, it's, it's been going on for uh, 16, 17 years. In 2006, uh, what CFC did is we started to look at all the different vital signs reports that were playing out across the country. And we started to roll them up into a national report. We would synthesize the findings of the local communities and create a report from it. We started to change that a little bit four years ago. And what we, what we did, as I mentioned this before, we, we were looking for those particular issues that would cut across the national landscape. So we've gone from synthesizing the reports of others to picking a thematic uh, that would engage the country uh, that would be relevant to most parts of Canada and to uh, give that a platform and a voice going forward. When we come back, we'll learn more about what Community Foundations of Canada found with regards to belonging as part of its National Vital Signs Report. We'll have more with Andrew Chunalal, the CEO of CFC, after our next song. Here is the Air Command Band with In the Mood right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and we now rejoin my conversation with Andrew Chunalal, the CEO of Community Foundations of Canada. So this year, um, you mentioned that the examination of belonging has been going on for the past few years now. This is the third year that you're taking a look at a, at a specific area of belonging. And in this case, it, it deals a lot with sort of community and community spaces. Can you share a few of some of the broad findings that you found from this year's Vital Signs report? Yeah, absolutely. I'll provide a little context to, the, to this journey as well. Um, in 2015, we produced our first belonging report. And that was really about an examination of the country's history. Um, And we knew we were approaching the sesquicentennial. And we decided, let's take a look back at Canada's history, the last 148 years, I guess, at that time, and get a sense of the journey that the country's been on and help us to sort of understand why things are the way they are. But then let's also use it to project into the future and have a conversation of what we would like Canada to look like in the next 150 years all centered around this concept of belonging. Here we are in 2017, and the country has come a long way from simply being a country that was uh, the challenge from bringing Francophones and Anglophones and the Indigenous population together. We are one of the most culturally diverse regions on the face of the earth. Um, Our millennials are the most diverse population of any other country in the world. And so the challenges of Uh, belonging are different and need to be understood in a different lens. And so that gives us a nice platform uh, to project into the future as we continue to have immigration and and a changing demographic in Canada. And so the last two reports really center around how does this relationship actually happen? Um, So the 2016 report was about how does a person create that sense of belonging for themselves with their community? Um, and it's about the personal things that you can do to to help that journey of belonging happen. Um, the report this year was mostly centered on the system or on the community, recognizing that the community also has a responsibility to be open and inclusive and bring people into it. And people from all different walks of life, all different experiences, religions, race, creed, et cetera. And so... Um, recognizing this is a two-way street. So that is the journey that we've been on. And uh, the country is going through a lot of change right now, demographic change. And um, these are our uh, challenges to belonging. We see this playing out all over the world. You know, uh, we've witnessed when, when things start to change in a rapid way and the communities start to change and proliferate, it influences federal elections, it influences the federal election in the U.S., it certainly had an impact on, on the UK's decision to leave the European Union. We see it play out in terms of anti-immigration protests just this past weekend, uh, both on Parliament Hill and Quebec in this very country. And so it's, it's very relevant. It, it's something that's causing us a challenge, and it's something that community foundations are looking at uh, because the, having that central focus of cohesion in a community is paramount and foundational to dealing with all other issues, whether it's public safety, housing affordability, uh, employment opportunities, etc. Was there anything that you found in either this year's or any of the previous belonging reports that may have been surprising or may have challenged what um, what you may have thought before? Yeah, you know, our current report, um, I guess the one statistic that stands out for me is there's an evaluation of the number of people in this country uh, that are living alone. So one-person households. And in 1940, 
the number of one-person households as a proportion of the entire population of households was around uh, 6 or 7%. Uh, and now it's almost 30%, and that number is growing. And um, that number is growing for a variety of different reasons, but one of the reasons is we have an aging population. We are finding that more and more seniors in our communities are living alone. Um, and there's this idea of the social isolation of seniors in our communities. And, uh, and, and that's a real problem. Um, I think when, when people are living alone and they have mobility issues, or family and friends are at a distance. Because um, the other thing we're seeing is children are moving further and further away from the place where they were born and raised at. And so um, what, what does that do for your sense of belonging? And how do we start to solve for those disconnects uh, in, in our country? Um, the other thing is that, that the country is becoming more diversified and, and more multicultural. And we're having this, what I call, collision of cultures. And it can happen just between people who are coming from different cultures or people of different genders or people of different uh, generations. Everybody sort of brings in a bias and assumption and expectation. And that's becoming increasingly more difficult to uh, to broker. And that requires a, a high degree of empathy and, and cultural understanding and intelligence of, of the people around us. And I think those are some very important things that, that we need to get behind as a country if we're going to maintain and build on the great cohesiveness that has brought us this far in our country's history. And uh, last but not least, if people want to check out this year's Vital Signs Belonging report uh, or any of the previous uh, reports that have been released from CFC or even some of the reports from other community foundations across Canada, uh, where can they go to get more information and to kind of join in the conversation? Sure, that one's easy. VitalScienceCanada.ca. All the reports are on that webpage. Perfect. Andrew, thank you so much again for taking the time to join me today and uh, share all this information about Vital Signs. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, River City 360 has actually covered the community conversations that has been leading up to the release of Winnipeg Vital Signs 2017. And up next, we're going to revisit some of those stories as a little retrospective. But before we get to that, here's Don Cherry with Thinking of You right here on RC360. Thinking, thinking, thinking. Why is it I spend the day Wake up and end the day Thinking of you Thinking of you such bliss to be thinking of you and when I fall asleep at night it seems you just tiptoe into all my dreams so I've begun thinking of you. 
Is it such bliss to be thinking of you? And when I fall asleep at night, it seems you just tiptoe into all my dreams. So. I've begun thinking of you. Welcome back to RC360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. So the show's been all about vital signs, and vital signs is basically a year in the making and with the release of winnipeg's vital signs report today tonight we thought we'd take a little look back at some of our coverage of vital signs leading up to the launch vital signs kicked off officially in january of this year with the first in a series of community conversations and the first one was on mental health addictions and healing through a keynote speech panel discussion and group discussions the event inspired discussions on three questions One, what are the underlying causes of addictions and mental health disorders? Two, are there enough options for getting help and what more do we need to provide? And three, what are the best ways to prevent addictions and to promote healing and well-being? Keynote speaker Rob Nash told his story at the event, which is basically about his struggle with a life-threatening accident that left him with uh, suicidal thoughts, among other mental health issues, um, but he turned his life around and now encourages high school kids across the country to speak up about their personal issues. Be willing to share what you've gone through. We've had so many people come up to us after shows, we tell our stories, and we teach at every show that we do that you young, if you've got something going on, I promise you this, you're not cursed, you're gifted. There's somebody out there that still needs your story. I love the fact we're finally starting to talk about these issues, but we have just scratched the surface. Think about it. If one in five people had a heart condition, our government would try to make sure that there's somebody in every school that would know what to do if somebody's heart started to fail them, right? But no, we're cutting out the counselors. We're pulling away some of these most important resources that the kids need. Thousands of people will go through a tragedy today. They're not going to be better on the other side automatically, but if you make the choice, you can turn it around. You get help. You start talking about it. You can turn it around, but it takes some choices too, right? It's not about wanting a bigger house or a shinier car. It's about desiring a sense of significance or purpose and a sense of belonging. Following that, there was also a panel discussion with three experts in the field of mental health addictions and healing. One of the panelists, Dr. Lisa Monkman, cited the need for mental health reform and discussion in our province due to the problems with addiction and drug use in rural and northern Manitoba. It's tragic to see the death rate from opiate overdose uh, go from literally nothing several decades ago to about 10 per month now in our province. And we as healthcare providers are in a powerful position to prescribe safely any opiates to prevent them from getting on the street, but also to provide treatment options for people who want and need help. I got into it because there was an HIV and Hep C outbreak in rural Manitoba that was unprecedented because of injection drug use. And then just really like helping people grow stabilize and get healthy has been very very rewarding 
Tessa Blakey Whitecloud of One Just City was also on the panel, and she spoke of the importance of youth speaking out when it comes to personal mental health issues. I think that that is so crucial that young people know that asking for help is a sign of strength, that honoring that they need help is a sign of strength, and that, like you say, there's an element of choice, um, and in choosing to stay silent, they're, they're hurting longer. Sean Miller of the Canadian Mental Health Association Manitoba and Winnipeg also talked about the statistics and how prevalent mental health issues are in our society. We need to see the person through the diagnosis. You're not your thoughts. You're not the illness. That's not who you are. So I think connecting with your strengths and abilities and and just your core values is, is critical to recovery and, and some of the value that you offer the world around you. After the panel discussion concluded, uh, tables discussions were prompted and took place with everyone in attendance. All of the comments and suggestions were incorporated into the Vital Signs report, which is, as we mentioned, launching today. We're going to be continuing our look back at Vital Signs after the break, but first, here's Jack Jenny with Stardust right here on River City 360. Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today. In April, the foundation held its second vital conversation called Bridging Divides, Shaping Futures, and it was on the topic of reconciliation in Canada. The conversation was held in partnership with Circles for Reconciliation, and we spoke with Dr. Raymond Curry and Clayton Sandy from Circles for Reconciliation earlier on prior to the event. The event aimed to help people understand the impact and feelings that Indigenous people have dealt with due to the residential school system. 
Clayton explained bridging divides, shaping futures, and how exactly it would work. I know that uh, the people that we have that are coming in and either facilitating or co-facilitating are people who've either been products or byproducts of the residential school system and people who speak from experience. And I think that's really important in today's world is to basically talk to people and understand everything about the impact and the feelings and just, just everything that I think First Nations people have been feeling for many, many years. And I just retired from the Manitoba government for nearly after 40 years. And, and just, you know, just over the past 40 years, just, just, just the stuff that I witnessed and watched and just, just the extreme racism that I felt many times and just from colleagues and whoever. And, you know, I think it's, it was so important for me just to try to educate as much people as possible. So when this fell in my lap, it was perfect because now I have an opportunity to basically share either my experience or my family's experience or my parents' experience about, about the experience of residential schools. And I've always felt that non-native people have a difficult time coming up and asking people about our experience. So I think this is a perfect time. And I think what we're going through it, through, through now in the last maybe 15 years, I think society is prepared to actually start listening to our stories with open heart. Education and understanding was clearly the intention for the Vital Science Community Conversations, and Bridging Divides Shaping Futures was no exception. Raymond and Clayton both discussed the lack of education around the residential school system and how erasing that ignorance is the first step towards reconciliation. We were never taught about residential schools in uh, when we went to school. And neither was I, and I yes. went to school in the 90s. Like. Well, yes. Um, I, uh, I learned all kinds of things about English history and American history, but I didn't learn any Canadian history. Yeah. I, I, I remember watching a video from the 1960s, and it was, it was someplace, I think it was maybe Regina, and they're interviewing this elderly, elderly non-native man, and he, and he just said, I think there's a residential school over there someplace, but as long as they're out of sight, out of mind, that makes me happy, and this was in the '60s, and yeah, so just stuff like that, and and, and I've always I've always felt that I think Canadians know more about other people's history than they know of their own. Kevin Lamaru, who is the education lead at the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation and a friend of the program, he's been on RC360 a few times before, he was the keynote speaker at the event, and he spoke about the importance of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and how he felt the day that they released the 94 Calls to Action. What you and I were given that day was a gift. And the gift that we were given that day, by my estimation, is the 94 Calls to Action of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. These 94 calls to action that I've been referring to ever since as our roadmap home. This is our way back to the country that should have been our birthright. This is our way back to the society that we would like to be able to leave behind for our children. We will be a country that heals. We will accomplish what we mean to do. And it's going to begin by conversations that you are a part of by ensuring that this never disappears as a political issue. So that's the first two of the community conversations, the third taking place at Table for 1200 More, which asked people their opinions on community pride. After combining the data and community input from the surveys and from all three community conversations, the Vital Signs Report is now launching this evening at the Manitoba Museum. So please stay tuned to River City 360 in the coming weeks, where we're going to be doing uh, a lot deeper dives on the categories and the key findings of the report. So please stay tuned for that. Coming up next, we've got Noah Ehrenberg on his way into the studio. But first, we've got to take a quick musical break. Here is Hugo Strasser with Ain't She Sweet, right here on River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. And we're now joined in studio, as we are almost every week, by Noah Ehrenberg, the convener of Community News Commons. Noah, thank you for joining us today. Always great to be here. So first things first, congratulations on Vital Signs launching today. Oh, yeah. I know you're part of the uh, the grand committee that well, put this whole you. thing together. It's pretty exciting. How it you? is very exciting. Yeah. We're sure happy to see this day. It's a terrific event. The, the launch happening this afternoon. We'll have some coverage next week. But uh, yeah, just uh, wanted to say great work. It's wow. pretty crazy. Full year of... Uh, yeah. Of That's input, sure. so and yeah. lots of information, lots of uh, a lot of interesting data and a lot of interesting stories that come from it. For sure. And speaking of interesting stories, well, Community News Commons posts interesting stories mm-hmm. almost every day. Absolutely. Uh, we have you on the show to tell us about some of the things that maybe the mainstream media just aren't reporting on. So, what is what are some of the citizen journalists on CNC uh, publishing this week? Well, this week uh, I thought I would share a very interesting story by Joanne Clausen. Uh, she's a local writer, terrific writer, and uh, she's done a story with regards to Thanksgiving. It's um, it's really a Thanksgiving story, and, and, and it's about uh, Joanne and her husband volunteering over at uh, Winnipeg Harvest. And um, when you go and volunteer, you watch a video uh, before you volunteer just to see who it is that is using Harvest. And, and um, as it turns out, it's a lot of children that, uh, that are the recipients of the food and the time and the money that is uh, donated in our community. And um, Joanne uh, sort of tells a story about how she came in to volunteer there. And then when she watched the video, it really reminded her of her own story about 40 years ago when she was uh, really at a very low point and her and her daughters were living here in Winnipeg and the cupboards were bare and they had had uh, oatmeal for dinner for the last three nights and they had run out and it was at that very time when a co-worker of hers um, who had run a had a garden uh, gave her a cabbage and uh, her and her daughters enjoyed this cabbage like no other cabbage they ever enjoyed before and then the the uh, co-worker ended up uh, giving Joanne um, some canning equipment and a whole bunch of vegetables. And so this was a terrific, amazing gift that Joanne received. She writes a beautiful story about it, and she talks about how uh, this is sort of the day that she learned, she says that the, the day she learned what God tastes like, um, and that giving, being given the gift of food at the very moment of her greatest need really taught her wow. um, just a, tr- uh, a tremendous lesson. And um, she tells a beautiful story about it, and it's called The Day I Learned What God Tastes Like, and that's on communitynewscommons.org. That's a great title mm-hmm. that's very yeah interesting. It's, it was actually what her daughter say, said when she <sighs> when she uh, made that cabbage oh my god and they you know they spiced it up and uh, the daughters were just they said oh this is amazing we love this this is what god tastes like wow it's <laughs> a great so, way to prime for the uh you know we got thanksgiving coming exactly. up christmas coming that's a very interesting heartwarming story yeah it is and joanne like i say is a terrific writer i recommend that you read her um her piece and uh and uh, you read other stories that she's written for community news Comments. it's really fascinating to see the evolution of cnc and see the just breadth of very impressive important mm-hmm. incredible stories that people are writing and it's just citizens it's just people who mm-hmm. you know might have a very basic grasp of how to be a writer you help them you guide them you improve their skills and then they're writing these incredible exposés and pieces and mm-hmm. and publishing just some very cool things. How does that make you feel when you... Oh, when it's you, a beautiful thing. You know, it's very it's, cool. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you build capacity in the community or you help build the capacity for people to communicate stories. And and here, you know, um, we're uh, five, six years into yeah. the project and uh, people are doing a great job of it. And now they'll be able to 
write blogs and write and tell exactly. stories for the rest of their lives. Very totally. cool. Exactly. Very cool. So at the end of our time together, Noah, you usually bring us a song that our listeners may not have heard before. So what have you got for us this week? Well, this week our listeners may have heard of this okay. uh, singer-songwriter because uh, she is gaining in popularity. She's very young. She's only 17 years old. Uh, her name is Fauzia, and she oh, was yeah. born in Morocco, uh, and she was raised in Carmen, right here in Manitoba. And uh, she's been winning over fans and critics all over the place. Uh, She's got great vocals, uh, really interesting um, uh, tunes. Uh, She has got a brand new single, My Heart's Grave, uh, that has racked up several thousand plays in just a few days on Spotify. Um, There's a video that she has called Knock on My Door, and that's been seen by over, uh, I think, 100,000 times on YouTube. So, uh, And, of course, she's played live uh, in front of large audiences at uh, Canada 150 at the Forks, as well as Canada Summer Games, um, as well as Interstellar Rodeo and at Nuit Blanche just uh, last week. So Fauzia is turning heads, and uh, she's getting a lot of attention. And so I thought I would feature um, a a song uh, from Fauzia. This is her single called My Heart's Grave. And you're listening to River City 360 with Robert Zirk and Nolan Bicknell on 93.7 CJNU. My feet are on the ground, I swear. But I'm not moving anywhere. My lungs say that I'm breathing. But when did my heart stop beating? You broke me in a thousand pieces Now tell me how am I to fix that? Don't you try and help me Cause I know I know Only time can heal But it's running out Running out Tell me how to feel, to feel okay Tell me how to feel, to feel okay Cause I don't know, I've been feeling pretty low Ever since the day you dug my heart Tell me how to feel, to feel okay Cause I don't know, I've been feeling pretty low Ever since the day you dug my heart Anxiety is taking over. Oh, 
trust in you Tell me how to feel to feel okay Tell me how to feel to feel okay Cause I don't know I've been feeling pretty low Ever since the day you dug my That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in to the end, and uh, a big thank you to all of our guests for speaking with us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we love to hear your feedback about the show, please give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can leave us a comment about this show, uh, request a song, or suggest a topic for a future program. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you.